Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and food and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to change that narrative and build a body you love inside and out. Let's go. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm just realizing we are coming up to a year of the podcast. Can you believe it? I will think of something really fun to put into place to celebrate that. But I'm super excited for this episode today, which is for both those of you who lift and have physique or performance goals, as well as anyone who has jumped on the podcast from a business sense and is following my Amy Louise mentoring page on Instagram and might be involved in running their own business. It's going to apply equally as much to both groups of people, which is really cool that I can bring value to both sets of people in the one podcast. I'm, I'm really excited for that. So as always, if any of this resonates with you, I would really, really appreciate giving it a share and tagging me on your Instagram stories. You can post it on Facebook, wherever you would love to share it, just so more people can get access to the podcast. It is really, really important to me to try to reach as many people as I possibly can with these messages, which just save so much time. They're all of the things that I wish I knew years and years and years ago. So let's have a look at this mindset topic. And one of the reasons why this is just pulling me into speaking about this right now is definitely because it's an area of my life in the last few weeks that I've really needed to lean into because there's a lot of up-leveling happening. And what do I mean by up-leveling? So both with my own training, you know, I've been comp prep for a bikini comp right now. It's happening at the end of August, but also there are some new shifts with my business. So the end of the financial year just happened at the end of June, which made me, you know, assess where I'm headed with this business with the company now, with the company, the Female Physique Hub Proprietary Limited, which is insane, what the direction of the company over the course of the next 12 months and I'm hiring a very special person right now, which is cool. I started with a new mentor about, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago or so, and we're together for six months. So you can see in both areas, there are a lot, there's a lot happening. And of course, you know, I've put myself in those situations on purpose because I do love to continue to evolve as a human. It's something that really lights me up. But with that has come a lot of growth. And a lot of mindset work and reflection, you know, I also work with a psychologist. I actually had a really interesting appointment with a kinesiologist the other day and I have my mentor, right? So I am doing a lot of reflection and integration and I really wanted to share with you the lessons that I'm learning and 
I started really specific mindset work, I think four years ago, four or five years ago, as in like it was a fortnightly practice at that point with a mindset coach. And since then I have enlisted various coaches and mentors and a psychologist to help me through this. And I just want to chuck it out there. It's never necessarily that things were incredibly broken or wrong. I I just want to chuck that out there. A lot of my mindset work is like, these are the things that are going really well and I want to amplify them. And these are the areas that I can tell I'm getting in my own way. And I really would love to move through them no matter the discomfort that that might take. So I do just want to mention that I enlist like literally a team of people to help me with this work. And I get that not everyone has the access to the resources or it can still feel like maybe intimidating or we might be labeling that experience. So I just wanted to give you some insight into like, what am I doing? And maybe it will give you some ideas and I'm really, really hopeful that it will save you time, which is what you know I'm all about. I'm a coach and a mentor, whether it be for my fitness, physique, performance clients, or whether it be for my business mentees. I absolutely love saving people time and not necessarily mistakes because I see mistakes as being incredibly, incredibly valuable, but really just saving time. It's honestly, that's what it is because my, one of my highest values is freedom. And what does freedom really mean? It means I get to choose to do what I want with my time. So if I can help save someone else time, that means in my eyes, at least they're getting more freedom, right? Which you know, being one of the highest values for myself, if I'm sitting in an amazing place with freedom myself, I want to give back. I want to give back. And of course, I'm being compensated in a way that is really, really special and I'm incredibly grateful for. And you'll see when we start talking about this sort of belief stuff, I think it is really important to say, you know, I'm obviously worthy of being compensated for the work that I do. And at the same time, it can also be a really amazing experience. And it's definitely something I've had working with all of my um, coaches and mentors. I'm really grateful for them. And, you know, I pay them and I'm also incredibly grateful for that experience to have them with us. So if I can help you save some time, literally just by listening to this podcast, that fills me up so much. And I'm, I'm really grateful for this experience. So what I want to talk about with mindset first applies to literally everything in that we have overarching principles that are important And if we haven't been taught the overarching principles, it makes sense why we're still really questioning and don't have clarity around like, what does mindset work mean? It still feels a little bit mystical. We don't quite understand it. And we're still going off in all of these directions and getting all of this, you know, piece by piece information. It's because we actually don't have that overarching principle. So I just wanted to give you an example that you might have done yourself. It's where just say you want to lose body fat. And when you start your journey, you find out, you know, bits and pieces of information. Oh, so I need to clean eat. Oh, so I need to eat five meals a day. Oh, I need to eat intermittent fast, right? What these are, none of these are overarching principles of fat loss. I've just mentioned a whole bunch of tools that you might have come across from various websites or Instagrams or YouTubes or whatnot. You've picked up various tools without understanding that the overall 
The overarching principle of fat loss, of course, is energy balance, and you need to be in a deficit to lose body fat. Like that is a universal truth. It is a fact proven by evidence. We can't get around that if we want to lose body fat. Now, there are multiple different tools that we can use that's going to serve a person at particular points in their journey and what works with their personalities and all those kinds of things. Like some of the things that I just mentioned, right? But no matter what the tools that we employ are, we have to meet that overarching principle of energy balance and being in a deficit of energy over a period of time. Okay, so that brings us to well, then what's the overarching principle of mindset? And this might clear a whole lot of things up for you where maybe you've just been taking bits and pieces of information like, oh, I should journal. Oh, I need to meditate. Oh, I need to be mindful. They're all tools. They're exactly like telling people to eat clean, take a food diary, track your macros, train four days, train five days. They're all tools. So what's the overarching principle of mindset? It's what we call congruency. What does this mean? It means that what we experience will be a reflection of who we be. And who we be is made up of what we believe to be true. So over the last four years of doing my own mindset work, I've read literally a ton of books. And I think this answer was hanging around in a lot of these readings, but it was never made very clear for me. And I didn't really even understand until recent, honestly, until recently, what like, what does being mean? I very much understood the concept of doing. So you might've heard the saying, be, do, have. It's something I've been speaking on for years. And the the being has really just hit home Honestly, in the, like the last month more so than ever, it was kind of like I thought I knew what it meant and it felt true for me at those points in time. But honestly, in the last few weeks, the definition and what being actually means has really clarified in my mind. So I'm really hoping to save you the time of and, and sorry and help to explain that to you really clearly right now, because from what I've said, this overarching principle of congruency where it's like what we're experiencing and what we're getting in life is a reflection of who we be we have to understand what who we be actually means and how do we apply that so it literally means what we believe to be true about ourselves about other people and about the world and how the world works and that gets reflected back to us now i don't mean that every external circumstance that happens to you is a direct reflection of that but what is is the way that you respond to it right and the way that you respond to it doesn't always have to be a doing because doing is in actions the way we respond to things also includes what we make it mean about us then. So what do we believe to be true about ourselves, other people, and the way the world works? And what do we make that mean about us? That's who we be, which is different from what we do. So what we do could be, I you know, go to the gym, I start a business, I launch a program, I compete in a bikini competition. They're the actions and then we have the have, right? Which is 
tangible results and outcomes of our action steps, right? But I just wanted to give you a a really, really interesting example here of this, which is that two people can experience the exact same event and see it in wildly different ways. This will be dependent on the meanings that they have ascribed to that event. So for example, you could enter a powerlifting competition and you could come first. Depending on what you've made that whole experience mean and the meaning you've given to everything, you might be absolutely incredibly overjoyed with that result. Another person who has exactly the same experience might not be satisfied with coming first because they actually had a um, a total target that they wanted to meet and they didn't meet it. So for them, that meaning that they've ascribed to um, not hitting that target means that maybe they're not good enough. They don't, they're not worthy of first place, right? Whereas the other person has gone, geez, I got first. That's, you know, the meaning I'm giving to that is that I'm fucking amazing. Like coming first is all I wanted. The other person who also come first comes first goes, you know what? Yeah, like I came first, but it's meaningless because I didn't hit my overall target of weight that I wanted to lift, right? So can you see how the experience and the outcome that that person has, they, they came first, they both came first. The meaning that they gave to that, what they saw in that experience was very, very different, okay? So again, I'll give you one more example. It's like standing on a scale. One person can literally have zero emotional attachment to that and see it as a data point. That's a possibility that exists for someone. Another possibility that exists for another person is that in their mind, they're attaching fluctuations to their self-worth, to their attractiveness as a human, to their um, how valuable they are to society, right? And their experience of standing on a scale and seeing a number is completely different to the other person, right? And that's not the doing. They, they both did. They both stood on the scale. They both did the doing action, right? Even the outcome, they both saw, you know, a number on a scale pop up. What's different is who they're being in that experience, which is what meaning are they giving to those things, right? Which is a really, really interesting proposition because from there, guess what happens, <laughs> Because, and I'm not going to pretend that I am all over the science of neuroplasticity, but because of neuroplasticity and our understandings about that, which is that we can rewire thought patterns, we can learn, you know, I can't remember what the cutoff age used to be, but they used to think, I don't know, you know, past adolescence, like we couldn't learn as much or we couldn't change our characteristics um, as humans. That's not true. We understand that even though it does tend to slow down. Uh, we absolutely can rewire our programming. It's It really begs the question, if I know that I can rewire my programming and I know who I be impacts the way I experience my life and to an extent, the outcomes I get and how I perceive those outcomes, I have the ability to change that. It really begs the question like, okay, so what's the process then that I can start to take to change those, to bring in more experiences that I enjoy or find value with, and just to create a life that 
is mm, much more authentic to who I am and like how I want to be the person I want to be. And it is accessible to all of us. So I hope in what I've just said, I've really started to simplify, like what does the B mean in B do have? What's the overarching principle of mindset that does need to be applied, right? Which is again, who we be, what are the meanings we're ascribing to um, everything that's happening? What do we believe to be true about ourselves, other people and the world around us? So that's the overarching principles. And if we know everything stems from that, we can roll up our sleeves and now start to do the actual work, which is where different tools might come in that are useful for different people. So to be honest with you, like that whole thing hadn't really landed for me properly and fully until the last three weeks. And Honestly, I'm not so ignorant as to be under the impression that that's the end of that learning for me. And I do imagine over time this this resonance will be deeper and deeper and the understanding and integration will be deeper and deeper and deeper for me. But this is definitely a very clear way to see this framework and to demystify people talking about like mindset work and whatever. And some people labeling it woo woo, which literally up until yesterday was me. And like last night I decided I'm not calling it that anymore because it's, it's just, it's literally, it's rational. It's very, very rational when you can see this framework like that. It just makes total sense to me. It's not woo woo anymore. It just makes absolute sense. Okay. So what I wanted to get into now was, okay, so now we understand that framework How can we start to apply this to ourselves? So the first thing is we need clarity and awareness. So number one is clarity and awareness without shame or judgment, because even in me saying this, it might have caused a really uncomfortable feeling for a lot of people, because what I've ultimately suggested is that you have way more power than you're you're not even giving yourself credit for, but you have way more power than you're owning right now because, and we'll get into this soon, it can actually lessen the the weight of the significance of this by giving away our power to other people and other circumstances and pretty much blaming them for things that we don't like about ourselves or our world. And when we do that, like we're giving our power away, but when we hear something that is in odds with that, is at odds with that, which is actually you have all of the power. Uh, it Again, it's just challenging our, our identity and our beliefs, which is the whole point of this episode, to, to really challenge our identity and our beliefs and say, actually, we do have all of the power. One really helpful sentence a mindset coach of mine used to say, which is incredibly valuable, is we have all of the power and none of the control, which is really disconcerting for a human to hear. We like control. And if you're listening to this, I can guarantee you're a person who loves a significant degree of control. Um, it's very evident in the way I live my life that I also love control. For God's sake, I'm doing a bikini competition. Um, you know, it, there's a there's a high degree of structure, routine, and uh, people who do those kinds of things do love control. I'm 
running my own business. Like what else could be the epitome of total control? I do love control. And at the same time, I, I, I'm also in the process of constantly acknowledging that in reality, the, the fact of the matter is that I don't actually have full and total control because, and I don't want to get morbid, but I'm going to go there in the next second. I may not be here. Like who knows, right? Like that's a very, it's, it's a possibility that exists. Is it unlikely? Yeah, it's pretty unlikely. Like I'm in my home, I'm living in Australia and Melbourne. Things are okay right now. Like it seems like we're okay. You know, I'm not in the middle of a war zone, but this is one of those really uncomfortable and disconcerting things about being a human is that we just don't know. We just, we actually don't know what's going to happen in the next second. We can, um, we can talk about the likelihood of something happening, happening. We can make things more or less likely for sure, but we never actually have total control. And we have to understand that that's the way things are. We never do. Things can happen out of the blue all of the time. And I mean, if you just look past, you know, last six months, 12 months, two years, you go, shit. Yeah. Like there are so many things that were truly, truly that happened in my life that were outside of my control. Of course, there are a number of things we can control in terms of, you know, taking actions and, and um, doing this kind of mindset work with who we be. So who we be, the things we do, and then the results we get to an extent. And at the same time, it's like letting that dichotomy exist of, I really don't know what's going to happen in the next second of my life. I can plan, I can make things more likely. And at the same time, it's really, really disconcerting to hear that we actually we actually don't have full control over it, right? So it's letting those two things exist. It's letting those two things exist, which like I said, it can feel really, really unsettling and we're going to let it just be unsettling without having to make it uh, sugar-coated, without having to make it more safe or any of those things. This is one of the parts of this mindset work, which is really being able to sit in it being both, you know, unsettling. And also we, we understand that we have all of the power, like letting, letting those two things coexist. So as we go through this work, or as you go through this work, you will likely, cause you're a human, you'll likely notice areas of shame and judgment come up, which means nothing about you. It doesn't mean you're broken. This is a normal, excuse me, this is a normal part of being human. And I just invite you to be as compassionate as you can for yourself. One of one way that my, or a couple of ways, again, this is a tool that might help you work through those feelings is to, you know, even look at a photo of a younger version of you and uh, have a think about you know the, the 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 words that you would use to speak to them through any of this work, or you might think of like if my best friend came to me and said these things about herself and acknowledged this, how would I respond to her or a parent or a child? Sometimes I can help soften our shame and judgment of ourselves right now, and this will just take practice to meet yourself without. Um, without this shame or judgment or with compassion is what I, I, I'd like the word, like with curiosity, openness and compassion when we're doing this, because, you know, we're specifically pulling at some threads here that are going to bring some things up. We don't want to, you know, shame on shame on shame. And I was talking to a client yesterday about this. It's like, let's not braid ourselves for doing the work and then deciding that we're doing that poorly, right? It's not what we're here to do. And that won't help us really broaden 
broaden our horizons and be able to just like lean back and be be you know semi non-attached to this work at the same time which again you might be hearing lots of like uh what's the word like dichotomous um dichotomous ideas and concepts and it's just being comfortable with this existing and I've spoken about you know how I am a shades of gray coach with which I understand pisses a lot of people off. Why? We want control. We want the answer. We want the black and white. And I'm just not that kind of coach. I don't care if that's easier for you. Um, My job isn't necessarily to make things easy because you won't get the better results. My job is to help you get the best result. And sometimes that is going to require us sitting in these shades of gray and letting multiple different things be right? And this will help you make more progress in the long term than just giving you a black white answer because quite frankly, I don't believe you're capable of handling a gray answer. I do believe you're completely capable of handling a gray answer. So that is what I'm going to give you. Okay. So that is the way I coach. <laughs> so what we're going to do with this clarity and awareness, number one, or this is number two, I guess, because we, cl- we want clarity and awareness is our first step. So what are we going to do that with or how are we going to use that? Number two, What's working, what's working with, you know, the way you're training or the way your business is, whatever it is, what's working in your life right now? What do you want more of? What's working? What do you like? What's going well? What do you want more of? Get really specific about that. Okay. And then we're going to think about, well, what don't we want? Right. And sometimes you might go, I don't even know what's working. Everything feels like it's a fucking failure. Okay, fine. Specifically identify what things you don't like and what's not working. And I want to give you an analogy here about, um, this wasn't mine and I actually can't remember where I got it from, but someone was saying like, just say you go into Subway and you go, can I get a foot long please? Like that's all you ask for. You could get anything. You could get chicken, you could get beef, you could get salad, who the hell knows? You get sauce that you don't even like. Like there's so many things that you could get if you just go, you know what, I just want a foot long. Who the hell knows what you're going to get? what do you do in Subway when you ask for what you want? Like you get what you want. You go, I want a chicken teriyaki with lettuce, pickles, cucumber, salt and pepper, no sauce. You get that exact thing. So what we're doing with our mindset work, (laughs) can you see the analogy? We have to ask for exactly what we want and it's okay if you don't know. Life is not, you know, a race. We're here for who knows how long This is going to be a process of evolution over time. The way things work is we just naturally evolve over time and and things change. You know, the only constant is change. So it's okay if you don't know what you want. You don't have to have all the answers, right? But let's just start with what don't you want? I don't want pickles on my foot long, thank you. I don't even want a foot long. I want a six inch, (laughs) right? Like what don't you want? Start with that. And from there you might go, okay, well, if I don't want X, What are the other possibilities that exist? And again, it's usually not black and white. There's usually multiple different options that we can choose. So it's like, you know what? I don't want, geez, there's so many things. Like I don't want to have to wake up to an alarm every morning. But at at this point in time, I have my schedule um, so that I do. You know, I've seen clients at 5 a.m. every single morning. Well, if I don't want to wake up to an alarm at 5 a.m. in the morning or at 4 a.m. in the morning, what are the options? Well, I could just say I'm not starting coaching until 9 a.m. I could go online. Like that's a pretty drastic jump from face-to-face coaching to online. But like there are lots of different options. And if it's in terms of, you know, um, physique results, it could be, you know, what I don't want. 
I don't want to track my fucking food every single day. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm so sick of it. You know, I've been tracking for five years. I know what to do. Okay. So what are the other possibilities, right? Well, it could be, I just keep a mental tally of the protein in my head. It could be, I keep a food journal. It could be none of those things. Like what are the possibilities, right? Start with what you don't want. And from there, try to tease out maybe a couple of things and experiment with the new ideas. You don't have to get it right straight away. If it's not perfect, you're not married to it. If it's not perfect, you're not married to it. You can go, Meh, I tried that. I don't. I actually don't like that thing that I thought I was going to like. And that's okay. This is part of the human experience. We're going to try things on and they're not going to fit. <laughs> they're not going to be right for us. That's okay. And every time you do that, it's not wasted time. It's not wasted time. You get one step closer to what is going to be right for you. And understanding also with a degree of non-attachment, because something that's right for you now might not be right for you next year. And it was really interesting. I remember ages and ages ago, I used to like see myself as like this perpetually single person. I didn't have my first real relationship until I think it was 26, 26. Yes. And so it was a bit of a late starter. There was like this completely disastrous train wreck that happened for multiple years prior to that. That was uh, uh, almost like a post of like a PTSD inducing experience for me. But people used to say like, you know, do you, do you regret all that or what a waste of time or he wasted your time. And even though I was really upset about the whole situation, I never bought into that. I never thought it was a waste of time. I never thought that I wasted five years. You know why? I needed, I honestly, I did need to go through an experience like that to learn the lessons. And the reason why I take full ownership of that is because I did have friends and people around me saying that like, this isn't great. And I did see the red flags for myself. And yet every day I chose to continue along in that um, relationship so I can take full responsibility for that situation and say that I was actively choosing to be in that every day. And it really helped me for the next relationship identify what I wanted and what I didn't want. So the things that were important to me when I was 18 were really superficial things. Like he had to be really attractive. He had to look like this. He had to you know, be doing this with his life and all of those sorts of things. And this kind of personality that I thought I liked, which after that um, train wreck of a situationship, I started to realize like, yes, like I would like to be attracted to the person, but these, you know, brown hair isn't necessarily the most important thing, which is hilarious because my partner has brown hair now. Um, but, you know, it was like, okay, I don't need, I don't specifically need brown hair anymore, right? Um, and it's actually, it's actually making me laugh because there, those characteristics that I thought I needed and that I let go of, I actually have now. <laughs> Even the superficial characteristics that I didn't think were important, they're actually still there in my current relationship. But I didn't see them as a need. They actually weren't a prerequisite. I'm just, I don't know, yeah, happy that they're there, right? Um, and I do love them, but they weren't necessary. So what did I find was necessary after that first relationship? You know, how was I going to be treated? How many times were we going to see each other? You know, um, what was the time investment for the relationship? What would our dynamic be? Those things came up as being really important to me, okay? And then, you know, what's really funny in that relationship, which also broke down, 
I started to realize, hmm, I actually don't want these kinds of dynamics. I actually tried them on and I don't like them. These are the new dynamics that I want and that they exist in my new relationship. So there was something where I found out in my last relationship, it was kind of like a, almost like I was acting like a, a bit of a mum in the relationship. And it was kind of like a, an emotional feminine dynamic. It wasn't really nice. There wasn't that like polarity between us. And I remember journaling a lot about really wanting in my next relationship. I was like, oh, that's what I thought I wanted after the first relationship. Someone who was like more emotional and sensitive. I got that and I was like, actually, I don't like that. I want someone who is much more masculine. And I think that that's the definition of my partner now, right? But I had to try those things on for size and go, you know what? They actually don't work for me anymore. I want something new, but I had to get really specific to find it. And that's why I don't see any of that as a waste of time. So before you go beating yourself up on wasting your time for certain things, just go, you know what? For me, that experience was actually really, really beneficial because it's gotten me closer to what is right for me. What do I want? What is actually authentic to me? Not what my parents say, not what my friends say, not even what my partner says or all those sorts of things. It's what's actually true for me. So if you do find some really uncomfortable things coming up and, you know, maybe you are judging yourself for um, experience you've had or things that you've been in, I definitely recommend the book called Existential Kink, which is a book that really changed a lot of things for me and made it easier for me to uncover the things that I didn't want to uncover. So this book really talks about like transmuting experiences instead of shaming ourselves for doing things that really we just want to bash our head against a wall over and over again. It's like, how can I actually... This is going to sound whack and that's why it's called existential kink because it's kind of kinky, but it's like, how can I just bring those surfaces, those experiences to the surface and celebrate them? (laughs) And it starts to change the way those experiences feel and they don't feel so heavy anymore. They don't feel so shameful anymore. And it helps us really let them go because it's like, you know, you would have heard of the saying, like, you know, when we bottle up our feelings, we just explode. This is really about like opening up Pandora's box. Um, And we all, again, we all have our own speeds of how this happens. And you don't want to, again, start berating yourself for not being able to do this work fast enough. Your time, your time is the perfect time. Whatever your timeline is, is a perfect time. Please don't compare it to anyone else's. But we pretty much want to open this Pandora's box with a great deal of compassion and understanding and no desperation to, you know, fix ourselves. We're all perfectly fine. We're all perfectly fine. We've just had layers and layers and layers of conditioning and experiences that we have done the best to manage with whatever tools we had at the time. And over time, we're going to continue to evolve and grow. It's just part of what we're doing here. So definitely read that book, Existential Kink. It's not for the faint hearted. And, you know, should you need to get any external support, like, you know, myself having mindset coaches and psychologists to help you move through these things, absolutely do that. So we're, we're really testing out, like, what do we want? What don't we want? And we're almost like lodging our order for what we want in our life. Literally, I want you to be that specific. If you had to, you know, do a lunch order, do you ever have lunch orders at school? What would your lunch order for life be? If you take one thing away from this podcast, well, two things. Number one, that overall principle of mindset is congruency. And then number two, what would your lunch order be? (laughs) 
What would your lunch or water for your life be? Okay. So what happens here too, as we start to do this, you start to realize, oh, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. There's some really, really uncomfortable things that are coming up here. And this is where we're going to need to take ownership. But I think it makes it so much easier if we stop judging ourselves and come at this with compassion. It becomes less challenging to Sorry, it becomes less challenging of a process to open up to ourselves when we're not judging ourselves for it. So, for example, um, when something creeps up, it could be a feeling of jealousy. It could be a feeling of comparison, anger or guilt. Lots of those sorts of feelings that we don't love experiencing, like we don't love sitting there in comparison or in jealousy, well, on the surface, if you read Existential Kink, there might be a part of you that secretly does love it. Um, but it's just a light bulb for us to look at something and ask, like, what's my part in this? Because sometimes it will be that, you know, something goes against your value system and you're consciously choosing that value system, and that's fine. And sometimes you'll realize you're just being reflected a trait from someone else that you don't want to see in yourself and that's what makes you uncomfortable. So for example, I'll just give you an example. I grew up in a really conservative household and I think as a sort of a younger person, seeing more provocative you know, images of like video hits and women dancing and all that sort of stuff, I was really curious and I didn't judge those women at all. I was just curious and like, you know, a bit in awe of these women. And then I guess as I got older, I started to download the message from, you know, the people that I was spent, well, not that I don't want to say the people I was spending time with, but like, I guess the information that I was consuming from the outside world, which is that's um, wrong, it's degrading, it's X, it's Y, it's Z, right? And so then over time, I started to hide those aspects of myself you know, like maybe like sexiness or just provocativeness or showing up completely in like a, an unbridled fashion, it started to feel like unsafe because I would be judged and I started to judge myself for it. And so you just really push those parts of you down. So then what would happen is as an, you know, a, a, in my twenties, like seeing things like that would feel incredibly repelling to me. And I would have feelings of like, you know, that's so degrading or I'm judging her or, or even there's, twi- you know, twinges of jealousy in there. And it's really interesting when I am able to look at that without judgment. And so what I'm, what I'm, what I'm seeing here is I'm literally like seeing myself sitting here also seeing myself in front of me watching that thing happen and watching those experiences in my head. And a book that really helped me with this process is called Calming the Emotional Storm. And it really takes you through how to sit outside the feelings and the thoughts and let them be there without you getting caught up in it. It's like um, he described it as like watching a tornado go by versus being caught up in the tornado. There's a difference. So we want to be able to stand outside the tornado, which is like, she's this, she's that, I'm feeling jealous, you know, blah, 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 making all sorts of moral judgments about her, me layering on all these meanings about her, which when I actually reflect that back to myself, if if I can do that, you know, without judgment, I'm going to see the truth, which is actually there is a part of me who has that inside of me, who wants to, you know, 
dance in a completely free way? Who wants to be overtly like sexual or whatever that might be? I'm just giving you a really raw example here. And you can tell like even the way I just got a little bit um, maybe embarrassed there. It's still like it's still that thing. I'm still, you know, there's still a part of me that's not completely owning that and I'm trying and I'm suppressing it. And I can see that right now. Um, without having to get sucked up into you know, any judgment or shame about it. It's just curious that, you know, like how can I lean into that a bit more today, right? Just something to play with. But if we can do that and just watch these things come up, we'll be able to move through them so much faster and we won't be pushing down these aspects of our personality anymore that we don't want people to see. Um, I think Carl Jung, J-U-N-G, talks about this a lot. I think even Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot, Um, these kind of shadowy aspects of ourself. And it's really just taking the time to be semi-comfortable in the discomfort of pulling pulling on these threads and asking ourselves, like, what are we suppressing Where are we dulling our true selves? Where are we dulling our shine? And where are we saying these parts of you, like Amy, these parts of you are not okay. These parts are good. And it's really going, okay, so what are these parts of me that I'm saying are not okay? Like how can I bring them to the surface with compassion and non-judgment and potentially even say like, how can I express this in a constructive manner? So maybe it's like, it's not okay that I get angry, but I've never been modeled constructive ways of dealing with my anger. So if I let the anger, angry monster inside myself come out to the surface, okay, what's a constructive way I can deal with my anger? Well, I could go and, you know, smash some things at those really fun places where you smash all your plates or whatever, right? I could go to a boxing class, like, I could punch my pillow. Like those are actually very constructive and healthy ways to let anger move through you and get out the other side. It's when we go, no, I shouldn't be feeling that. You know, I'm a young lady. I shouldn't be feeling angry at all. That's a sign of weakness, blah, 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 blah. Push, 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 push. What's going to happen? It's going to come out in really uncomfortable and ways that we don't like, which is going to mess up your lunch order. And you don't want it to mess up your lunch order, right? So I just wanted to make it really, really clear that this kind of work is, is it can be, it has the potential to be uncomfortable because we don't like to identify with those um, aspects of ourself that we don't high and ho- hold in high esteem. And it's really about letting them come to the surface, reframing what we're making them mean about ourselves. Because quite frankly, every single one of us is human we all have light and shade within us we all have traits that we we prefer we all have traits that we'd rather not have but it's about integrating them bringing them all up and it's like if you can imagine yourself sitting in a car and there's some good traits in the front seat there's some uh, well there's good and bad in the front seat there's good and bad in the back seat or ones that we'd like to have ones that we don't like to have we're driving though and these things are always just going to exist as part of us being human and you're never going to get to this place where we don't have these like uncomfortable feelings we don't have we're not we're not experienced entirely human things like we can't get around the fact that we're human like i was saying before with that we have all of the power and none of the control i get it it can feel disconcerting and i think our work is to let it be just let it be without having to make it feel better let it be without having to make it feel better. And the kind of irony of that is, is though whilst these things will come up and they won't feel amazing, 
we can let them just be and in a way they they takes a charge out of it we can have a laugh about it depending on how far we've got with it we can have a bit of a giggle but there's nothing to say that just because you're still experiencing any of these like jealousy anger comparison fear shame all of that it's incredibly incredibly human and it's all okay all right, so then I, I wanted to talk finally just about some tools because I think, again, like I said before, this is where people get really confused. They've only been taught tools without that overarching principle. But the tools are, you know, anything journaling, meditation, mindfulness, getting a psychologist, seeing a mindset coach, which I'm not, I'm not a mindset coach. Um, I'm just talking to you through my experiences to help you figure out what's going to be the best way for you. And of course, sharing what I've learned again, like I said, to help you just minimize the time that it takes for you to do this stuff. Um, but they're all the different tools and different tools are going to work for different people. So what else is really important to remember here is whichever works for you. So we've got our overarching principle. You've got your set of tools or some tools you might like to play with. You literally are going to need committed daily intentional practice committed daily intentional practice so anything the way that we live our lives if something is not in our face and we're not intentional with it literally every single day it will dissipate the power the how powerful this work is and i do just want to say and again if some things come up when i say this okay just get curious about what this means for you but i'm going to say to you are you is is the life you want worth doing intentional daily practice for and if if it's like that feels really uncomfortable to you just get curious about why like what are you making that mean right what would you like it to mean because I know for a lot of us we would be sitting here going fuck yeah it's totally worth it I want my lunch order I want my lunch order to be right I want it to be great I want it to be delicious okay so if you want your lunch order to be delicious it is going to take committed daily practice. So when we say like what, do, you know, you need to do your inner work, what the fuck does the work mean? It does mean a committed daily practice that comes with the understanding that what we believe to be true about ourselves, uh, others and the world around us is going to shape our total experience. We don't have all of the control that we would love to have. We do have all of the power, however. And again, this is why it's called work. It doesn't necessarily have to be hard, although, like I said, there's going to be probably, if this is your first sort of jump into it, lots of uncomfortable feelings. And of course, even for me, uh, it's really, really interesting when I do experience that feeling of like, one of the things that's coming up for me is like jealousy, comparison, that kind of like repelling feeling. Those feelings in the moment aren't amazing. And the speed with which I go, oh, there's that feeling let me just step outside it for a second and, and and view what's happening. That's just happening within seconds now, which is a really, really interesting experience. But that's where it's like, it's not necessarily hard. It can be uncomfortable because those feelings are there, right? But it also needs to be consistent. I need to be keeping at this. And over time, I think that that will just become less and less and less because again, we're just molding our programming. We're molding what we're seeing. And when I get to the point that... I let go of those feelings about, you know, say like a provocativeness or whatever, that trigger won't exist anymore with that particular thing anymore. You know, it might be something else. And so it's definitely something I've seen with like my scale weight, with food, with training, with exercise, with activity, 
all of those sorts of things. They used to produce a feeling in me. They used to produce like a negative charge of, um, it was like kind of like this sick feeling of, yeah, really not feeling worthy. And that would come up every time, you know, I saw my scale weight or I saw calories burn or I saw different sorts of food or I ate a piece of fucking cake, right? Now that doesn't happen. Like there's no, there's literally no feeling attached to that anymore. Um, So I know like I've transmitted that and that's gone, but it's still happening definitely in other areas of my life. And, you know, I have got the privilege of seeing the evidence of it working in a very, very big area for me. Um, And that's why I absolutely know it's possible to do this in all of our areas. And again, it's just that belief in that, uh, you know, whatever we believe to be true about ourselves and others and the world around us is really going to shape our experience and also understanding I can change that. I have the power to change those beliefs, okay? So if you have loved this episode, you um, are definitely getting an insight into my coaching style, whether that be for my physique and performance clients in the Glam Body Program or whether that be with my mentees through Amy Louise Mentoring. So definitely give me a follow there. Um, with my overall like tenets of how I work with this, it's definitely like curiosity, compassion, and consistency. If I could give you like the three C's to take away when you're experimenting with this work yourself, be curious, stay compassionate, be consistent. And that's when we see the results of, of this work happen. And it, it's not doing this work as a means to an end again. <laughs> it's not doing this work as a means to an end if I do this then I will get this like yeah it's gonna happen but it's also that non-attachment and really asking ourselves like well what's true for you though if you weren't going to get the outcome how would you want to show up every day that's a really curious question to start pulling threads on as well so I'll leave you with that anyway if you have resonated with this episode if you absolutely loved it I would really really appreciate it if you could give it a review on Apple Podcasts and also tag me in your stories at fitandfree.podcast and also Amy Louise Coaching and even my mentoring if you're coming at this from a business perspective which is at amy louise mentoring if you would love to work together if this has got you really curious about my style of coaching and mentoring and would love to work together i absolutely invite you to head to my dms on any of those uh, instagrams and shoot me through a message let me know where you're at what you would love to achieve and then i can talk you through the different ways that we can work together but with that being said over and out and i'll see you in the next episode